All right, stop. I don't want that anymore. The Taylor Swift, the Monica Lewinsky, the Cardi B. The Love Notes, the Mistress, the Bad Bitch. I'm out. I'm out because it's too real and I'm bored of real. I want fantasy and exaggeration. I want unrealistic clouds of ecstasy because only then do I get to play around with my reality. To touch the walls of my playhouse and kick a few down, revamp the bathroom and throw in a skylight. I'm bored of the negativity because self-deprecation is uniform. Slap on a khaki camo and blend in with the rest. But one size doesn't always fit all. My ego doesn't fit into those pants and your button-up pinches my pride. Am I going blind or am I staring at a void of bodies where the line of individuality is so thin I can't see the break? Break. Breaking contrast like a geode on my skin. Colored gold on ivory bones. Big and beautiful. Brittle and beautiful. Bony and beautiful. It's all the same. Your cheap compliments, endowed thoughts, and fantasies of what these hips can do are all false. Give me your wit. Please censor your thoughts and know I have weak hips. Hips that do lie sometimes, white lie, black lie, brown lie, it doesn't always break even. But what are you going to do? Cry about the green grass or create a desert landscape and recognize climate change is the thing? Hot and heavy, this earth rolls over and over to dance with its fiery partner. Codependence in its full beauty, keeping her passions illuminate. So earth circles again and again and again, incapable of saturation until self-actualization, so we lie. We lie that khaki camo looks good on us. We lie that it's just one more time. We lie about the weight of your opinion and the origin of the bruises they left. But the truth is, I'm not good at lying. The other truth is, camo is a self-preservation tactic. It really is just one more time and another and another, single dots that make up a continuous habit. And your opinion is just as heavy as you are. Centripetal force at play. The further you fall from me, the thinner the bruises. My skin doesn't thicken my epidermis as thin as yours. I simply wear it different, lovely, and meek. Shifting weight from narrow shoulders to weak hips, I politely take each of the opinions I asked you to hold and add them back to my pack. And backpack across the mountains of my emotions, pen in hand, a candle nearby, and a bottle of water for the in-betweens. The in-betweens. Patting our resume and pants until we can get more of this green glow. But remember climate change? Oh yeah. Wearing down the lubrication of atmosphere, raw dogging life, single dots that make a continuous moment, a continuous month, a continuous year, a continuous life. Until we die and return. I swear I'm on round four of this rock. I'll come back for at least another five. And if the green goddess will have me or the hell maiden abides, either way, I will continue to exist somewhere. Too long to ask for greed or permission, my weak hips and I will saunter toward our fiery partner and watch the green fade gray approximately every 12 hours. I'll hold my pack of opinions close and decide you're worth my time, because I've got plenty of it. And if you value my wit over my waist, you'll get more of it, and if I accidentally fall in love with you, you'll get most of it, but the only person who gets all of it is the mangled mess of a mad woman whispering, fuck it. But be respectful. So this second piece um, is actually just a journal entry, um, and it really is a, showing the conversation I have with myself in my writing, um, and it kind of it leads into the creation of my next piece. It starts off with a couple quotes. You can never be right if you speak with no grace. There's only one soul inside. We're all sharing the same old years. 
Call me the lonely fool. Darling, I love you. I want to say so many words, but I can't seem to hit send. Is it real or is it a moment of mania? I probably have mascara dripping. Do I know how to talk about this or is it simply something to hold? Am I carving this in holy braille as I press it firmly into these pages? Happy fucking new year. I don't know what's happening inside me. I want to say everything to some, but I feel like a deflated balloon. Is it right? Is it now? I keep white knuckling these pages, how I love these pages, puffy, primal, pure. Fuck me with your alliteration. What if I don't know how to do the simple things anymore? Why did I capitalize simple? Because it's only the simple things that matter. I'm relearning to do a lot of things, a lot of simple things. Wondering how many of my words should be shared. My voice matters, but to who? Whom? So I'm going to say it. There are so many more words, but they don't need to go out all at once. Uh, this next piece is uh, titled A Choir of Voices. Um, it's one of my favorites, and it, it includes a lot of quotes from Bunny Wakefield, um, in his book of poems, A Choir of Honest Killers. Um, he's one of my favorite poets right now. Um, so let's get into it. I suppose I love this life. Andrea Gibson spoke this simple truth into existence in her poem titled Birthday, and I read it in Buddy Wakefield's voice while falling in love with his piece, What I Learned, this time around. I've had a lot of secondhand voices in my head as of late, words spinning to the beat of someone else's drum, a cliche after the next, and a revelation snuck into the tone of your shoulder shrug. Inspiration or liberation of another electrical system, opening my mind's eye and leaving the other two dry. Dropping tidbits into my eye sockets to absorb your truce-like rain, flooding the whites of my eyes until they're crystal blue and sparkling on stretched lips. It's ethics that are on the brain. From eternal truth seeping through this skin, making me spit fire because I don't want it anymore. Why are we not fighting fire with water? Compassion will not make us lazy. It is okay to cross these borders. It is okay to stay awake. And my dear, this moral agenda has insomnia, pulling me to the left, then the right, then straight out of the sheets and into the streets while I'll run towards the sun in the sky. Because I refuse to let the night last longer than its recommended eight hours. I refuse to go blind again from the eye boogers caked in the bedsheets I wrapped myself warmly in for 22 years. I will dedicate my life to my ears for listening to those above and below and around town who have whispered sweet nothings because nothing is the only thing that matters. Sometimes we expect too much instead of practicing enough. Or receiving in us just the right answer. You. Period. Matter. And if you matter, then Lydia matters. And Matt from next door and his yapping poodle. And the stranger who complimented my laugh. And the man at a coffee shop who slipped a sincere note into my backpack once. And the woman I thought would be my all matter. But I did it again, you see. I filled every you in this room without the mere reflection of an ephemeral image of the woman present now. For to include her, and I beg that you do is to include a choir of voices. A choir of honest killers in a church made for one. Then I'll ask for your opinion, because it's always the question that involves the listener. It's never the answer. Because I want you there, 
to see that pretty little brain unfold and your eyes open wide as we step into this and pretend like we give a damn. So tonight, let's give meaning back to the firing squad and our synapses and liquidate truth into honesty. Let's turn our ridiculous wrists so far backwards that the razor blades and our pencil tips can't get a good angle on all the beauty inside while our blood turns to ink. And while you're doing that, second guessing everything, include my voice. The one that says, I am not afraid to understand you or to stop you. Because if it can be said to me, then it can be said to you. That you are the best damn thing and worst case scenario, the backup plan and the diamond in the rough. You keep yourself going or wait in a flat chair made for one. But remember that one is all you need to be considerate enough. So this last piece I'll do... um, I titled it A Manifesto to This Manifestation. Uh, This one started off as a journal entry and ended up liking it, kind of turning it into a piece. So, I'm dreaming of a human that infatuates me. The starstruck person I drink up. That feeling was the first dive underwater, hair soaking in the elements before my lungs push up against my ribs. I'm breathing now. Treading water but dreaming of below, where it's warm and quiet, swaddled in your own existence. It's habit now to turn this toward a mirror. A taking of control because I can only change my own self-image. What if I change the direction of the mirror instead of the view? Pulling the particles together as I walk toward what I want instead of hoping it to be 1927 Heinsberg discovery. An observation of the observer, a god complex if taken out of context, kaleidoscoping the patterns and inadvertently watching myself, watching myself, watching myself fold into threes. The pattern repeats itself as long as I'm looking for the same thing. And to change what I'm looking for is to introduce a million possibilities. So I'll shake off what I've done before, gulp a breath before the dive in a prism light, refracting, no longer reflecting. As much as I adore myself, I want something new Something exciting and provoking. I want expansion and unexpected. The glimmer in my eye to change direction. A manifesto to this manifestation. I dive below. Just imagine the intro music's coming in. Okay. Renee, welcome to The Poets. Thank you for finally being here. <laughs> Not kidding. I know. It took me way too long to get in here. That's okay. But I'm That's happy okay. to be. <laughs> um, you just said that you have a lot of thoughts on your brain after finishing that set. What are you thinking? Yeah. Um, it was fun rereading through a lot of the pieces that I've written um, and trying to put together a collective of what I want to say um, like on this podcast. Um. And, and some of it was, yeah, older work pulling up, um, especially my first piece. So I think I was more so getting my thoughts together is where that came from. What does that time frame look like? What is an older piece for you? Like how old? Yeah. Um, I did start writing like recently. Um, I kind of mentioned uh, a bit in my bio that I've been journaling for like years. Like that's just always been how I process, how I unwind, how I self-soothe. Um, and that turned into just like more like creative expression. Um, that to be said, I feel, I got on the mic. It was August of 2022 at Mercury. It was my first God time. Damn, that 
it always blows me away when I hear that somebody's only been going for like a year, a little over a year. Oh, I'm sorry. I pulled the table it's there. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so this first one um, that I read was the oldest, and that was in um, November of last year. The, that's the oldest of the ones you read or the oldest poem the, you've written? Of the oldest ones that I read. Got you. Yeah. Can you get a little closer to the mic? Yes, sorry. Okay. I, get, I get a little squirmy. <laughs> so you've been journaling. I wanted to ask you about journaling because two of them, I think you said that you read, started as journal entries. What is there a difference between the entries that become poems versus the entries that don't? There is. Um the first one, or the, uh, sorry, the second piece I read was just a journal entry. Um, and that one was actually a conclusion entry. And which is always, I kind of do like f- the first thing I write in my journal and the last thing are really intentional. Um, oh, conclusion being the last thing you wrote. Yeah, in I wrote in it. And um, so a lot of that is just kind of like who, like, where am I? Like, who am I at the end of this journal versus the beginning? I think mm. that's like a marker of time, um, yeah. especially because I love going through them, rereading and seeing whatever I was dealing with or whoever I was. Um, yeah. <laughs> Do you ever make yourself laugh going back or is yeah. it is it more bittersweet looking back? Um, I definitely laugh. I think a lot of it is I'm, I'm surprised. Um, and because that's the thing, like writing is just it's no longer in my brain, in my brain. I, I honestly think of that Harry Potter scene um, when like Dumbledore is like pulling the thoughts out yeah. and putting it in the cauldron. Yeah, um, that's how I feel writing. And it's like the more I pull out, the more I can understand, like I can feel I can fit more things in my brain. Got you. So does that mean that you have these things sort of like bouncing around for a while? And then once you put it on paper, it kind of is a relief. Somewhat. It's, it's like I'm starting to think about something and as I'm writing it, I get to process it and learn more about it, mm. which kind of feels weird because the whole thing is just me talking to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but that to be said, that's what those journal entries are. Um, and they are for myself. And then poetry incorporates the thoughts that I put together in me journaling and it is written for somebody else to hear. Got you. Mm-hmm. I have a question. Surprise, surprise. Um, do you ever go back and edit journal entries? Is that like a taboo? I don't know. That feels like it would be. No, I don't. You don't. Um, okay. If it's something that I chose to like read out loud, which those feel much more vulnerable to do, um, I'll tweak like a couple words so mm. it just like flows better. Gotcha. But, Got you. Um, and what does that look like? How do you decide that a piece is going to be shared. You were sort of talking about that in, was it a choir of voices? You were wondering like how many words need to be shared is the line I pulled out. Yeah, that one, that was the uh, journal entry that kind of flowed into that. And um, I really liked that because I think it, it led up and not actually realizing that that was just like a consistent theme I was struggling with. And so pulling up that journal entry was like, I don't know what to say anymore which like I'm a really like talkative person. I'm an extrovert. And so that was like a weird, like me hitting this wall. Um, and then that led into a choir of voices and all of it was like, I had just had been in a, a space like of absorption. And a lot of these things that people were saying were affecting me. Um, 
and being conscious of kind of like what I was consuming, you know, what I was reading, what I was watching, like the people I was around. Um, and so, but getting more into poetry and wanting to like create my own, but like not knowing what to say. Mm. Um, and not wanting to just say anything. Cause I think poetry has turned into like me not only like processing, but like what energy do I want to be putting off? Um, what do I even want to be like attracting, you know? Yeah. Um, and it kind of goes into, I, I realized I do have a lot of pieces now and a lot of them, you know, used to be writ- like write- written about relationships, written about people. Um, and I started to feel like that was very small um, mm. and just like a really pointed, you know, like me and this one person. Um, and so the pieces I chose to read here um, was challenging that mindset and wanting to learn from my writing um, and wanting that to turn into conversations with people. Um, if it was something, you know, reading it on a mic or, you know, or if a friend, you know, is asking about something I was excited of. Yeah. Yeah. So you're talking about the energy of, of sort of your performance, the energy of what you're putting out there when you're reading, how, how, how much time do you spend? What do you, what is your focus on? I guess, like, are you focused on your delivery when you're going up in front of a crowd or are you more just focused on the words themselves? I think it's the words themselves. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you, you just kind of get up there and this is it. This is this is what I have. I, what? I don't know. I'm always fascinated about how people interact with the crowd. Um, I've asked that a lot. But like the the energy you're looking for, are you looking for anything from the crowd, or are you really just here's what it is, like it or leave it? <laughs> I am, you know, I, I am always looking for a reaction and it just feels so like, you know, gratifying when you hear certain people like snapping or shit like that. Like it just, cause that is a lot of what I'm choosing to do. Like so much of my writing is for myself. And then the pieces I do read aloud, I want it to like connect with somebody. I want it to resonate. Um, and knowing how many people have done that for me, mm. um, but that, to like, I did kind of, like, check myself when I first started doing this where I was, like, I'm not doing this, like, for people. Mm. Um, and I don't want to get caught up in the performance of it because that's how you lose the beauty um, and the intention. Um, and also kind of, like, swallowing my ego of knowing I'm not always going to get a reaction, but, like, something's going to hit somebody. Um because how many times people have said something and I was like, oh, damn. But like, mm-hmm. I know, I didn't talk to that poet afterwards. So they don't yeah. know my response. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is really tough. And it's validating myself too and not needing these other people to like fill me up and knowing like, and that's where like getting on the mic is like saying what I need to say. Mm. Um, and more often than not, like it's for me or like I've read pieces where I'm like, this is healing for me and like this is like a part of it is putting it out in this space and like getting it out of me that's a fascinating process it's interesting because you i don't know if all of your pieces start this way but you were talking about in your journal or maybe it was just one of the journals you brought you were asking yourself a lot of questions it's interesting to think of 
starting by asking yourself questions and then that becoming something that resonates with somebody like a stranger, possibly. How often do you think about that that process? Well, that one was written for me. So that was not thinking of anyone else. Um, I have chosen to read certain journal entries, um, even just as a challenge to be vulnerable. Damn. And, Things that you weren't planning on reading? Yeah. And that I, sounds terrifying. <laughs> and I think like exactly that though, of like letting myself be seen instead of this like catered image. Mm. Um, and some, and that's where it's like these pieces that are edited are a catered image. Mm. Um, but I enjoy that cause that takes work, but writing shouldn't always be work. And so doing that, I think is almost kind of like an accountability for myself. Damn. That, I don't know if anybody else does that. Have you ever run into anybody else who just gets up and reads journal entries? It seems very unique. I haven't met anyone, no. <laughs> so when you decide, that, okay, if there was a piece or a journal entry that you weren't planning on turning into a piece, what would make you decide to read it? Is it something like if you feel it was very personal, you'd be more likely to read it? I think if it's more relatable of like how many other people struggle with this concept. Mm. I see. Mm -hmm. I see. A lot of not, maybe not struggle, but um, exploring, exploring possibilities was what I wrote down while you were reading. Mm -hmm. Cause that's what I hear you doing a lot in your poems. Um, especially that last one, you were sort of talking about different pathways, things like that, that we take. Yeah. So that last one um, is actually about manifestations um and me learning what that is um, what is that for people who don't know and so because i always thought it was some like hippy dippy shit and, <laughs> the best stuff is hippy dippy shit yeah and you know it's like some wook told me it and i was like i don't know what this means <laughs> but um it actually like is something that has been studied um and what it was so because when you're conducting an experiment like you have control factors and then um like non-control factors mm -hmm. when you're like observing especially like behaviors of somebody and they're like in a room um it was recognizing that that wasn't you know that's not natural um what do you mean what wasn't natural so like, I'm trying to think of kind of a good example of what I was reading. Um, I almost think of like, let's say you're trying to learn what like ADHD is when like they're initially putting together like those case of symptoms and you're in a home like observing a child like playing or like trying to do like school work. Um, that you watching that person is always going to change slightly what is happening and you can only like you can get to your best degree of like what those symptoms can unfold as but they real they did it even realize like studying like cell particles hmm. um and so they put like a slide under a microscope um and I'm like not using the most like accurate terminology yeah, here, it. <laughs> but it's like under the microscope and the particles would get in line. Um, and you could see, cause you could see like the brief moment of like the movement, um, of those cells or whichever. 
when there was. Um, so it's like just like on a slide and it's like chaos, you know, it's entropy. It's, but when it was observed. It moved. Interesting. And that was on like a very, just like natural path. And so that's how manifestations began where it's you like, and that it's 1927. It was discovered it, like that whole, like the, uh, the observer of the observation. So you're, if you are watching the observer, who's then watching the, like you see how there's a change. And this happened in 1927, and it was Heinsberg's discovery. Got you. Yes. Right. The uncertainty principle. Yes, exactly. And, and so, what do you? How do you? How do you apply that? Yeah. So that was kind of, I think, what I found interesting, giving it more credibility, and then seeing how manifestations work in your own life, and really applying that to like, who do I want to be, like living by the whole, like, you are what you attract. Um, and in a sense, like, you can turn it into, like, anything. Like, what kind of relationship are you looking in your life? What kind of job are you wanting? Like, what kind of couch do you want to buy? Like, And when you, like, speak these things into existence, that's, like, you also knowing what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Like this one was in regards of me, like looking into like a romantic relationship um, and, you know, like what kind of person do I want to be? What kind of person do I want to be with? Like those two questions have always been asked together. Um, And like having that, it's like a subconscious, like in your, the back of your mind, like it's something that tends to be attracted and like seeing like how I've met people have just been crazy you know like just so like you want so random like the customers I meet at work I'm a server so I meet really cool people all the time um or just random opportunities that have fallen in my lap or even just like the place that I live in now like it definitely manifested that Mm -hmm. my apartment is exactly what I wanted hell yeah um like in Denver was really like that was like a hard find anywho um so stuff along that line and like no longer seeing it as this mystical thing, but knowing there is like a science backing, mm. but manifestations also take intention. Um, and so a lot of like the character work that I've done and like really, um, which is a lot of like processing and wanting to know, like handle my problems differently or um, if I want a different job, like, okay, where am I applying? Um same with my apartment. Like, what kind of people were I reaching out to? Like, um, so like attaching work to yes. the intention. Yeah, like it doesn't just happen. Because I, I was talking about this with a friend the other day, and it was um, exactly like that's like the equivalent of praying and being like, "Well, I mm-hmm. hope God does this." Mm-hmm. But it's like, okay, well, like, same like you're gonna ace the test, like not because you know God helped you, but because you studied. Yeah. And so I think applying a similar like spiritual concept to manifestations yeah and that's been my current like obsession so that was like the latest piece i wrote um and i think an ending note of or an ending opening open note of like what can be yeah yeah and exploring that in my writing so i would imagine journaling journaling would be a a very helpful way of sort of organizing those intentions and keeping track of them kind of do you find i mean I don't even, I've never really tried that. Maybe I should, but I've never, I would, I would imagine I would forget what I was intending very easily. You know what I mean? Is that, is that a problem? (laughs) 
No, because it's it's not concrete. And I don't think I like really sometimes I will have like a more pointed idea. But most of the time, like the writing creates itself. And hmm. um, I think manifestations are it's like if you want something to happen, it, it takes movement and takes intention. Um, and so that is like if I'm wanting to write something in that regards, it's helping me process like what exactly am I looking for? But it's like beautiful and creative and abstract and imagery like um instead of like a checklist which is i think like my other side of my personality mm. yeah um, so you need both do you ever wonder if there's going to be like the journals of renee all compiled <laughs> one day i do sometimes wonder like when i die like what does any what does any of this mean uh-huh. i was wondering about the pieces that never get shared. I would imagine there are tons of entries that you haven't shared and probably don't plan to. What, like, no, yeah. what do you think, what do you think is going to happen to those? They're just for you. Yeah, they are. And I think that that is exciting for me. Cause I think I have, I realized that I view myself how like through the lens of how other people view me. Um, and so a lot of my identity is attached to like what other people think of me. How do you know? It was like, that's like another, like, um, I think often it's like what people have like qualities they've or compliments they've like given me. And I'm like, you're right. I am that. Mm. But realizing like somebody else gave that to me. Mm. Um, and it's a give and take though, cause compliments build you up, but then like when someone's mean to you, like that really hits me. Um, and that's our like kind of learning, like how sensitive I am um, and stepping away from that and being able to like have a confidence and tell myself who I am and my writing, like when I'm journaling, that was the only space where like nobody else read that. Mm. But everyone else knew like the runner Renee. And cause I was really into, I mean, I still am. Um, or like the academic side of me and that was like always, you know, public grades, whatever. Um, like the employee Renee, like the hard worker Renee, like the friend Renee, like that is all, I feel like they're all just like different images or like different hats I like wear. Um, and so for me to intentionally keep something for myself is like empowering. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I would imagine. You got to have secrets, right? <laughs> is this like, um, I don't know. I feel like this is, what happens if everybody does this? Like what happens if everybody learns about the power of this and starts to apply it? Like where where do we go if that starts? Would that be a, a good thing? Would that be, a, I don't know. What Which do you think? part do you mean? Like, like, in, like thinking about your life this intentionally and this thinking about yourself and your personality and your interactions with others and your work this intentionally. Like if everybody on earth started to be that intentional, what do you think would happen? I think people would be nicer. <laughs> um, I don't, I think some people don't realize how selfish they are mm. um, or they don't realize that whatever they said was mean because they didn't intend it to be mean. Um, and I find myself doing a lot of like deciphering, like deciphering? Deciphering. That's Deciphering. Making yeah. meaning of it. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm saying that right. <laughs> but um, 
of exactly that where I'm like, they, yeah. Deciphering other people's actions or your own? Both. And I've realized because I've had people do shit and I'm like, they didn't intend for that to be mean, but it hurt. Mm. And then I have to do the self-soothing and calm myself and like have a conflict resolution of whatever this person did to me unintentionally. Mm. Because if I just respond off of that, then it's like shit rolls downhill. Yeah. And wanting to be a stopping point of either harshness or even just like generational trauma. That's like a lot of stuff I'm like unlearning with my parents. Um, But I think because I've had to do that with others, I don't want to do that to anyone else. Yeah. God, that's powerful. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the world would be better if everyone had that kind of a thought process, myself included, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, Speaking of compilations, are you working on anything, uh, anything you want to shout out, like projects or anything you've got coming up? No, this is all pretty new. (laughs) It is. It's crazy. So it's been, you said August of 2022? Yes. So it's been a little over a year. Yeah. What do you, what are your plans? Where do you want to go with poetry or spoken word or writing in general? Um, I kind of, right. Like I don't want it to be work. Mm. Um, I've been a little stuck lately and I've been having a really hard time writing and I've actually found myself being a little absent from open mics because of that. Um, and I think just respect, I've been in like a really like big identity crisis space um, and my voice is changing and, and I want that. I want my focuses of my writing to be bigger. Mm. Um, and I've had a lot of inspiration from different poets that have come through Mark. Um, and I think that's just my like own experiences of like, what do I want to be doing with my life? Like, um, what kind of impact do I want to have on this world? And wanting my writing to be a part of that statement. Um, so that's been a lot of my focus. Wow. Easy, it sounds like, to deal with. Very, you know, <laughs> yeah, an easy project to take on. How do I want to put my voice out to the world? And it's God. fulfilling. And I think so many like people do, and that's inspiring. And I don't want my writing to just be about me, but like mm-hmm. a lot of it is right now. I feel that, yeah. People, in this one I just read, and I was like, I'm talking about love, donuts, and suicide. (laughs) (laughs) Those three go together like... Subaru Bernie driving bros. (laughs) Subaru Bernie? Bernie. Like, just like this image of a human, you know? Absolutely. I mean, (laughs) you're speaking to a Subaru driver. Oh, me too. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Y'all thought we were fucking done. You didn't. You don't know. Jokes. (laughs) So let's talk more about how judgmental of a person you are. Oh, my God. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Don't air me out. (laughs) Uh, So you're taking... Oh, my God. I'm sorry. (laughs) What do you do with the quotes that you take from people at open mics? Um, not much, honestly. It does help me pay attention. Um, is the biggest thing. I am not a good listener. Um, and it's something I wish I was better at. Um, it's something I'm inspired by you, Mitch. <laughs> what What do you do? Like, what 
instead of listening? Like, do you look like you're listening or do you just completely zone out? <laughs> um, I'm a very like, um, observational person. Um, and so I think some people can be more like auditory learners, mm. but I've struggled a lot with when I meet people, I get more fixated on like their facial expressions, um, and like how they're telling me something. Um, and even just taking in, you know, different things about them. Um, and I'll completely forget their name. Yeah. And then yeah. sometimes not even paying attention to what they're listening or what they're saying. Yeah. And um, I think that just can make me a shitty friend or or just like somebody will remember me the next time they meet me. And I like I remember them, but I have no idea what their name is. But you could probably remember how they made you feel. Right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, but wanting to be better and those so i do have to snap out of it though and be like oh they're talking like that is an active mm. thought going on in my brain sometimes um it's easy to go the other way too it's easy to pretend like you're really paying attention and be somewhere completely different you know not that i do that of course not <laughs> <laughs> well because sometimes it does like if you're just like maxed out on listening mm-hmm. but often it's like i do care about what you're saying right but my brain just isn't there right and when it when I take quotes from people while listening to poetry, that keeps me engaged because um, I want to be an active listener to what you're saying. That's cool. So you kind of have like little mini archives of of the night, sort of. Yeah, and and also just like being in awe of people um, and how brilliant they are. Yeah. Um, Anyone in particular? Say don't say Johnny. I mean everyone's <laughs> everyone's in awe of Johnny. <laughs> Gosh, that man inspires me. Yeah, um, absolutely. A lot. Yeah, I've, I'm really moved by a lot of his work. And I think he's just has so much like purity in his poetry and like why he does what he does. I mean, I'd say the same about you, honestly. You're literally <laughs> reading journal entries. I don't know how, how much purer you could get than that, you know? <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, it's just like how you approach things, you know? Um that I think speaks volumes to your character more than like what you're actually doing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what do you remember about a, a poem? Like you remember, do you remember like un, un, if you don't write something down, do you remember the words or do you remember the meaning or do you remember like their body language on stage? What do you remember? Honestly, their voice. Mm. Um, there have been certain people I don't really remember until they start talking. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I do get like really, I can, I like, I hate this, but some poets can be amazing, but like the way that they present it, it's harder for me to be engaged with them. Um, and I really want to break that because I want to just like focus on the art, but. I think that's also just like how I hear things even like Q honestly like when I first met him just how he speaks is so clear Mm -hmm. um like his voice and that's just something you have or you don't have Um, yeah unless you do like speech therapy or something yeah maybe (laughs) I don't know like people have said that about me too um so maybe that's why that you speak clearly that my like my voice like and that's just do you know what I mean? Like, it's like the volume of your voice. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> I 
honestly don't know where any of this is going <laughs> or none of this really relates to my writing. It doesn't? But <laughs> your voice doesn't relate to your writing? Well, I think that specific piece, I mean, because that's like talking about the actual like auditory of your voice. Mm. Um, if I mention my voice, then that's more so talking about me externally, that internal monologue. Interesting. I'm still, I still don't fully grasp your process for like getting words from paper or words from your brain onto paper into a mic into the crowd's ears. Like what, <laughs> how do you decide I, what you're going to read or like what you're going to do or I don't know. What is your process? Like what I'm going to read or what I'm going to write? I guess how do you, I guess both, I guess how do you decide what you're going to write? And then if you've written something, why does it, or how does it become something that gets read on stage? That, act, well, the kind of the second piece I have been struggling with, um, me showing up on open mics. Cause I was like, I don't know what to say. I don't have anything to say. Um, and it was one, one poet a while back, just an offhanded comment had, I had asked like how they did, um, and they were like, I said what I needed to say. Mm. I think that was it. Like you asked them after they performed. I'd asked them how their performance had gone and their response was, I said what I needed to say. Huh. Um, interesting. So not really like, it doesn't really matter how it was heard or received. Yeah. And that mm. hit me like really deep. Um, cause I found myself. I was like, I don't have anything to say. Like I am just speaking into the void and I'm getting on this stage, reading a piece that I've read multiple times because I know people like it mm. and that feels vain. And I started transitioning of like reading things because I need to hear it or mm. because this is like something I want to speak out into the world. Um, and whether it is, and that's when I started reading other people's Pieces. A mm. lot of Buddy Wakefield or Andrea Gibson. Um, yeah. And then another poet, though, had said that, like, once you say something, it's no longer yours. I've heard I've heard somewhat of that sentiment. Yeah. And, and it was an inspiration because we were talking about poetry. And I was like, I'm just, like, having a really hard time with my writing. And he really loves my stuff, has really hyped me up. And that just was kind of like breaking this perfectionist mindset um, that was feeding into that of like, well, I don't have anything good to say, so I'm not going to say anything. Um, and I think that's how I had taken that original phrase and I added that word good. Mm. And it was breaking it down of like what, like this is who I am. like, And so it's like somebody else is going to relate to it and just letting it be simple. Yeah. Um, is there also something in there about being okay with it no matter what? Like no matter how it comes out? Yeah. And I think that is like self-love for yeah. me. And because writing is like so much of my inner voice, being able to like confidently like put that out there and, you know, accept silence or scrutiny and which like you don't really like get the ladder but yeah 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 i i've heard comedians say that like 
every comic has to bomb every good comic should like bomb at some point you know just mm-hmm. like totally eat shit in front of a crowd it doesn't it doesn't really happen for poetry that much because it's not the same expectation yeah yeah but I think I don't know poetry's been cool open mics have been really helping me like swallow my pride yeah <laughs> um, how, how so I think it like boosts my ego to like get on the stage and have the confidence for that. And even if it doesn't go great, just being proud that I got up there. Mm-hmm. But then also that where it doesn't need to be perfect. Um, and yeah, just letting things be messy, like with a spotlight. It's very strange. It's a very strange thing that, to just go up and read poetry in front of strangers. Why did you start? Because you you've only started writing recently. When did you make the decision to search out an open mic? <laughs> um, I had actually, there was a friend. Um, we were both like in a point in our life where we were just really lonely. And just like a classic poet thing. <laughs> 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 but I had been journaling and I like, read something that I like I forget what I write like once it's down it's gone and so I read it and I was like damn I really like that hit me again Mm. um so I decided to send it to her um kind of in hopes that it would give her some sort of comfort um and she really liked it and was like dude you should like read this shit I was like no like this is this is mine like no um but I read that piece, like, I think again to somebody else and it was kind of a similar reaction. And then that's when I wrote something for a mic because that was my big, you know, I didn't think that I would ever be reading journal entries like mm. on the mic, but I think it's expanded into of a confidence in what I can do. Um, Cause then it's separate, but I never identified as a creative. Um, Damn. And it was a really like insecure spot because I loved being a part of these creative places like open mic nights, music. So many of my friends like, you know, make jewelry, like art, play instruments or in bands. And I would go and I'd support them. Um, But I was never a part of the group. Like Mm. I had nothing to contribute. But pausing that was like, well, I'm here to like consume this, you know, like you make these things to be heard, to be seen, to be bought. But... So in doing that, it really was like, you think so? Like, you think I have something, like, worth listening to? Um, It's like a drug, isn't it? Yeah. Once you start doing it, I don't know. That's so – does that just mean that there are people – there are people who come to the open mics regularly. I'm not going to name names, but who say, no, I'm not a poet, like – and I, I think it's bullshit. I think anybody could be. What do you think? Do you think do you think it takes a certain something or do you think literally anybody could do it? I think I get it because I do. I've done the same. Um, it almost feels like a respect of like I don't want to take I don't want to like take a title that's not mine. Yeah, but the problem is the poets don't take that title either. <laughs> like the people <laughs> writing poetry are like, no, I'm not a poet. It's like, what? Who is that? <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh gosh, that's funny. But um I think it's just breaking down and understanding more of like what poetry is and like what you want it to be in your life. 
What do you want it to be in yours? An outlet was my first thought. Mm. Um, I think I, yeah, I just want it to be something beautiful. I want it to be something simple. Um, I think a lot of what I've already been saying on this podcast, like it just being another, like this is, yeah, like this is just a part of who I am and not being ashamed to share that. But it's like, it's less of that and just being excited of what I can do. And, you know, it is nice even rereading and being like, okay, how do I like re, how do I say this line? How do I make this like this rhyme or like what's, what am I, it is like a, I'm trying to think of the words. It's just like a space to focus in. And it feels like work, but it's not actually work. Like I feel productive, even though it's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. I've said many times, it's like you can finish a poem. You know, there's lots of things that take a long ass time to finish and it's a slog. And yeah, it's great when you're finished, but a poem is like, I can sit for an afternoon and work on something and feel at the end, like I've actually created like a good, I guess, thing. And it pulls people together. Like yeah. the fact, like that's what this whole conversation is. Like this wouldn't happen if neither one of us did it right. True. True. So we got to keep writing. <laughs> Maybe we should end there. Okay. Unless you have more to say. Oh gosh. I mean, I always do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like that's probably good because I'm just focusing on the concept of it all. Hell yeah. yeah. Well, we'll do it again sometime. Okay. Bye, everybody.